0: The reading is taken from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17, and can be found on page 1083 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, why start with Marvin Gaye's seminal, I heard it through the grapevine, I hear you ask? well because of course at the heart of uh, today's passage it's all about remaining in the grapevine jesus is saying to his disciples how much longer will you be mine not honey honey which is the next words Um, as part of his farewell discourse jesus is calling on his disciples to remain in him and our passage today is divided into two halves really In verses 1 to 8, um, they act basically as sort of an illustration, the the grapevine, with some explanation. And then verses 9 to 17, where they help to unpack and supplement the illustration of verses 1 to 8. So first we'll look at verses 1 to 8, remaining in the vine. And after that we'll turn to verses 9 to 17, remaining in Jesus' love. But before we begin, I've just been asked to say, if you are new today, of course, you're very welcome, but if you weren't sure what was happening with children's groups, and you'd like your children to go out, then please do go back to to our lovely, friendly stewards and wardens at the back, and they will be able to direct you, but you're very welcome to keep them in if you don't. But firstly then, verses 1 to 8, remaining in the vine. Jesus' first statement here in verse 1 is a bold claim. I am the true vine. Sounds a bit weird to modern ears, doesn't it? What is this? Is this some kind of weird tree-hugging thing? Well, no, in order for us to really understand what Jesus is talking about, we need to know some of the background context. Like Marvin Gaye's I Heard It Through the Grapevine is a late 1960s addition to a very popular genre of music at the time. But apparently some people have never heard of it. So do go and listen. But Jesus is using an illustration about grapevines here for a reason. Ancient Israel was a bit more like France than England. It produced lots of grapes, and those grapes were turned into lots of wine. Grapes, vines, and wine are seen in the Bible right through from Genesis to Revelation. But what's really interesting here is Jesus' specific claim to be the true Vine. And that's because in the Old Testament, Israel as a nation, as a people, the chosen people of God, is often called a vine by God. But every time the people of Israel are called this vine, a vine planted in the chosen land, it's actually in relation to judgment. It's about them failing to produce the fruit. That God planted them to produce. They have failed and God is warning of judgment. And so when Jesus claims to be the true vine. He is making a huge, huge claim. He's saying, I am true Israel. I will do what the Old Testament nation could not. And this was a huge claim to make. It completely alters the way Jesus' disciples are to look at the world. No longer is relationship with God to be found in being part of the nation of Israel. They were all Jews. They were all part of the nation of Israel. With its geography, its laws, its ceremonies. Jesus says no. Relationship with God is now to be found in him. In Jesus. And Jesus makes this point clear as he expands the metaphor in verses 2 to 6. Disciples of Jesus are the branches of the vine, he says. They're attached to and they draw life from the vine, just like the branches of a tree trunk. Disciples derive their life from Jesus, just like the branches of a vine derive their life from a vine. But at the same time, there is a mutualness about what's going on here. Because although the branches derive their life from the vine, the vine produces its fruit through the branches. Jesus says he will be a fruit-bearing vine, the fruit-bearing vine, and he will do it through the fruit of his disciples. And so the Vine Illustration echoes Jesus' words from last week. You are in me and I am in you. The Vine Illustration shows us some of how our union with Jesus works if we are disciples. How life flows dynamically and organically from Jesus to his disciples. So that they in turn can serve him and bring forth his fruit. And unlike the failed vine of the Old Testament, Jesus as the true vine will bear fruit. There's no question about that here. The Father will make sure of it, Jesus says. Like a good farmer, he will tend his vine. That means, as Pete said, he will make sure that the branches of the vine are healthy by pruning them. The word for pruned in verse 2 can also mean clean in the Greek. That's why Jesus talks about clean in verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You are already pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. Those who are in Jesus, who have trusted in his word and become his disciples, are made clean. They are pruned, Jesus says being pruned or cleaned well he says here it's essential about it's essential for bringing about life and fruit in the life of the believer but the process itself is radical when you prune the branches of a vine you you don't actually mess about just snipping little bits here and there you really hack it back i saw this very enthusiastic american guy who must have owned a, a wine farm vineyard somewhere in america and someone was filming him, and he was really going for it. He's like, you just got to really prune them back. Um, it's a good way to get your anger out, I imagine. But, but that's, that's what it means by pruning. When you prune the vine, you really prune it back. And Jesus is saying that, well, that pruning a person so that they become a fruit-bearing branch is a similarly radical, sometimes even painful act. The act of becoming a believer in Jesus, of repenting of our sinful past lives, realizing we need Jesus and turning to him. Well, it's often described, isn't it, as turning around. Turning around on one's heels. And, um, and of course, it can be that. Turning around is part of it. We do turn around from sin and turn to Jesus. But, of course, that initial turning around is one thing. The actual fact, then, of a changed life in Jesus is another. As disciples live in the vine, Jesus says our lives will be radically transformed as we become more like him. That means the person we are changes, and that's a good thing. Because it's only through that radical act of pruning That we can receive, Jesus says, the life that flows from him and leads us to bear the fruit that the Father calls us to bear. Without that pruning, Jesus says, there's no hope. Pete showed us that. Life and fruit only comes through the vine. And for the branch that doesn't bear fruit, that's not truly in the vine, well, Jesus says, verse 6, such branches are picked up thrown into the fire, and burned. Jesus isn't pulling his punches here. Constant reliance on him. Constant transformation through pruning, through prayer, through reading the Bible, through serving and loving others. It's absolutely essential to being a disciple of Christ. And the question Jesus has for us For his disciples amongst us is, well, will you remain in the vine? Will you remain in the vine? And if you aren't a Christian here today, well, of course, you're very welcome. It's lovely to have you. But the question Jesus would have for you is, why aren't you in the vine? Why aren't you in the vine? It's only in the vine that you will find life. It's only in the vine that you will bear fruit, the fruit that the Father, God, calls all his children to bear. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus has told us that we need to be and we need to remain in him to have life. He's told us that we need to be radically transformed, just like the branch of a vine is pruned. He said, we must bear fruit for the Father's glory, verse 8. That that's part of the very nature of being his disciple. But the illustration of the vine leaves us with a question. If the question is, how do we remain in the vine? Well, the answer is, our illustration gives us anyway, is that we must bear fruit. But what does that fruit that we're supposed to bear actually look like? Well, the second part of our passage, verses 9 to 17, it helps to answer that question. Jesus is still on the same topic, of course, but, but he stops using that language, that illustration of the vine, and he instead moves on to the language of love and obedience. If he's told us to remain in the vine, in verses 1 to 8, in verses 9 to 17, he urges us to remain in his love. And it's important to note here that those two things are the same. Remaining in the vine and remaining in Jesus' love are the same. And so in answer to the question, how do we remain in the vine, Jesus answers in verse 10, If you keep my commands... You will remain in my love. So we remain in him through obedience to him. But there are two things worth noticing here about this obedience. Two things Jesus explains to us in the second half of our passage. Number one, Jesus has started talking about his love here for a reason. He hasn't switched from the vine to love just because he's gone to love for a reason, because his love is key here. That's why he switched. He says we can only keep his commands through his love. It's because of his love that we are brought into him in the first place. It's because of his love we're brought into the vine. He loved us so much. He died on the cross to save us, to bring us in, It's only through his love we are able to obey him and remain in him in the first place. But secondly, Jesus says that this love and this obedience is the same love and the same obedience that Jesus gives his Father. Verses 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. You see, our union with Jesus is like that dynamic, joy filled, life giving, love flowing relationship that the Father and Jesus share. So remaining in the vine, being pruned, being obedient, Jesus says they aren't miserable things that we're called to endure, that we're called to plod through, like someone coming up with the idea of a a walking holiday and it rains the whole time. It's not, if you just make yourself miserable, you'll end up with eternal life. It isn't that at all. That isn't what Jesus says. We don't obey in order to receive God's love. We obey because we've received God's love. It might be radical, It might even be hard at times to obey Jesus' commands. But in verse 11, Jesus tells us that it will bring us joy. And not just any joy. The complete joy of Jesus, the Son of God. Obedience isn't about misery. It's about life, love, and joy. And in fact, we could add a third point here. Because Jesus builds on this in verses 13 to 15. Jesus says that even though we are called to obey him, he calls us his friends. For Jesus, we're his friends, he says, because he's revealed his knowledge to us. And this sounds a bit confusing, doesn't it? It doesn't seem like the sort of normal friendship relationships that we have. But we need to remember what type of person Jesus is. So imagine a king. Remember that everyone under everyone under a king is his subject. Everyone under a king has to obey his commands. And yet a king can have friends, can't they? Well, how do people know the difference between a king's friends and a king's servants? Both have to obey his commands. Well, a king will confide in his friends. Jesus says here in this illustration, a king is someone who, who, whose friends will tell them. He will tell them things. He will tell them what he's thinking, what he knows, what he wants. And this is what Jesus says we are. Even though he, of course, is our king, as we are united in him, and as we keep his commands, and as we bear fruit for him, We are brought into a relationship of friendship with him. And so we've answered how do we remain in the vine? Well, we remain in the vine by obeying his commands. And we obey his commands because of his love. But all of that raises one last question. And it's that same question raised at the end of verses 1 to 8. What are his commands? What are his commands? Well, that's really just another way of saying, what does the fruit that we're supposed to bear actually look like? And Jesus' clear answer comes in verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. The fruit we are called to bear is his fruit. The commands we are called to keep are to be like him. And so the love of God for Christians becomes the love of God between Christians. Our loving obedience to Jesus should lead us to love each other. This is so important to Jesus. He says it again. Verse 17 This is my command, love each other. And so the question for us really today, the main question is, if we're a believer in Jesus, are we doing this? This is the fruit Jesus says we must bear. This is the command he says we must obey. Are we loving one another as Jesus has loved us? However long you've been a disciple of Jesus, can you look back on your life and see that fruit at work, that proof that you are remaining in him, in the vine? In other words, where is the fruit of your labor of love? Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son Thank you that in him we are brought into relationship with you, that we are brought into relationship with one another and with him. Thank you that it's through his love, his love that took him to the cross, that we are united in him to you and to each other. Lord, we pray that um, you would help us to love each other in that beautiful vine, to make that vine even more beautiful, even more fruitful, that that would in itself be a witness to the world and to God's glory, through the wonderful power of Jesus' love, and through your grace. Amen.